0: porcupine pie porcupine pie porcupine pie vanilla soup a double scoop please no maybe i won't maybe i won't maybe i will the tutti fruit with fruity blue cheese whoops this isn't the neil diamond lyric reading session so i guess we'll just get into one hot august of mini golf on the podcast My name is tom i also go by mr t it's been a surprisingly quiet month for mini golf as far as competing goes but i have been just loving following what's going on at tournaments all around the globe and looking forward to talking about it you go online you can find all the mini golf designs reviews and more for myself in the pink putter at a couple of putts.com we are very slowly getting through our review backlog and adding more courses to it as we travel. You can find when we're doing reviews and everything else at a couple of putts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. No, we're not on TikTok, sorry. Uh, if you're looking for a course and whole design work, maybe opening up your own course, whatever, go to minigolfdesigners.com and take a look at our portfolio, or you can buy some fun merch at minigolfgoods.com.
1: I'm Pat, the co-founder of the Mini Golf website and social media conglomerate, The Putting Penguin. Uh, Recently, I got my turn to travel to Sweden, and that makes both of our hosts now have spent time in Sweden this year. Uh, For me, it was for the Mini Golf World Championships in my role as the media chair for the World Mini Golf Sport Federation. And while I didn't get to play in that tournament, and in fact only just played one round of Mini Golf in five days despite spending endless hours at a Mini Golf Complex with four courses, I did get an amazing insight into the international game at the topmost level. And you can see plenty from those world championships over at the WMF Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also find all of my other Penguin mini golf antics by looking for Putting Penguin on most of the social media outlets, also not on TikTok. And while you're out there scrolling, also not on TikTok, you can go follow the podcast mini accounts. And finally, Since you're clearly in love with our podcast, please make sure you're liking, subscribing, and giving us a great review wherever you choose to listen to podcasts.
0: And you probably already know this because we talk about a few of the tournaments in this organization, but this is the official podcast of the American Mini Golf Alliance, the AMA. We are two of the co-founders of that organization. And of course, we talk about it in our podcast. We're up to almost 300 members in this organization that we started to help grow the game of mini golf in all its forms across the U S if you played in a tournament already this year and you want to become a member and get the points from the tournament you played in, guess what? You're in luck. You can do that really easily by going to amaminigolf.com and you can become a member. Just click on the button and we'll get you a membership card in the mail. Thank you to Walkabout Mini Golf. Our membership is free thanks to their sponsorship of our season. Again, we have, I can't believe this. We have another seven AMA tournaments that are IRL before the end of the year. And I think right now we are still planning on additional virtual tournaments on both Putt 18 and Walkabout just to give people who want a couple more points. At the end of the season, that opportunity we had at the beginning of the season, people may have just joined up late. This is an opportunity for people that don't have to travel, don't have massive expenses and barriers to playing. All you really need is internet access and or a PUT-18 mat or walkabout headset. And when you really think about it, it's not that bad. It's way more expensive to take a flight to any of the tournaments that are not in your town or probably drive if you want to practice and all that it's more expensive to do all of that than to buy an oculus headset and the base level of walkabout and maybe a few of the expansions and put 18 same thing worst you have to do is an expansion is you buy a tripod maybe and uh that's all you need so the ama season is well underway and this is going to be a really really big episode. We haven't been on in a while. I was like, when was the last time we were on? And it was when we did a Facebook Live thing with Joey Grabeel, And we will talk about how Joey's done since then. The uh, spoiler alert is you'll be absolutely surprised to hear this. But Joey has competed well in every tournament <laughs> since we had just him He just keeps
1: on. winning stuff or close to winning stuff.
0: He's good. He's good. And if you haven't listened to that interview, it's on... The podcast feed and you can watch our interview with him on our Facebook page. It was really great. So we're going to recap a bunch of the tournaments, but we don't really spend a lot of time in our episodes just kind of checking in on our own personal love of mini golf outside of competing and what we're doing in our lives. So Pat, I know you're going to talk a lot about (laughs) Sweden, but why don't you start off? First off, how much black licorice based treats did you have? And I won't accept
1: zero as an answer. I think it was just one. I felt very Ooh. under under licorice. What'd you get? Uh, one of the ice creams. Yes, um, and it was good, right? It, it was good, and I did yes. not I did not spend nearly enough time eating ice cream over in Sweden. That was one of the things that I was I always would like look at it because it was literally there in the clubhouse, and I walked by it like four thousand times during a day. But I was always doing something else or having something else. There was some pretty good stuff that we had. During the, day. the muffins there. Ooh, yeah. oh yeah. The muffins oh, were amazing. Oh, 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 oh. The yeah. coffee, not so much, and needs to be about seven times as large as what it is, but I just kept pounding that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been interesting because, like, I feel like I've been doing mini golf, and I have been doing something mini golf-related literally every single day, and I have – barely touched my putter. You know, um <laughs> I think the only time I have played so I played once in Sweden like I mentioned in the intro and the only other time I have played in the month of August was the practice and then the two rounds at the O Street tournament. I haven't played wow. a single league at Matterhorn. I haven't played a single wow. just random mini golf course. It's been super busy now. I mean, I did spend a week in the woods with my kid at, you know, Boy Scout summer camp, so not a lot of mini golf there yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just been, it's been good busy and it, like you said, we still got a ton of tournaments. So I just feel like it's, you know, I have a real job that I do work during the day, <laughs> which gets harder and harder when you have all these daytime tournaments <laughs> happening, whether it's WPL or the world championships, but, uh, I'm feeling like we're in a pretty good place and I mean, it's good cause we'll, we'll see each other in a couple of weeks And a A couple times times with the masters and stuff. So I know we've had that. I know you've had a few things as well, including some state fair stuff this past weekend, right? That's right.
0: Uh, Minnesota state fair. If you are not from Minnesota, you're like, who cares about state fairs? To give you a clue of how many people go to our state fair last Friday, they set the new record. How many people do you think showed up the state fair in a single day?
1: 150,000. Close. 166. Okay. I mean, state fairs are kind of a big, well, we have the big E, which is like our six states put together. So we know a little bit about them. So I think
0: it's like us and the Texas one that are yeah. way up there. And Minnesota State Fair, I guess this year, the big thing was pickle flavored stuff, which I love. Uh I didn't, I, I i tried to seek out the pickled flavored lemonade and it was like 50 people in line and it was like 90 degrees out and i'm like i'm done with this i had enough with people and i was over it i just had a large pickle on a stick and that was good for me the deep Can't fried pickles, that. the deep fried pickles didn't work i had a vegan corn dog i had a vegan crunch wrap that was like a Philly cheesesteak in it that was kind of a mess and good. And uh, the bigger reason that we went to the state fair is that as a couple of putts, we designed three holes for a organization called Paint Care that's out of the East Coast. One of the guys that we worked with grew up in Ocean City, so he's very familiar with mini golf. And we designed three holes to kind of tell the story about their work where they want people to use up their paint, recycle it, bring it. Um, I should know all these by heart, but I don't, but (laughs) made three uh, small holes that were there last Friday. And then the bigger one was that we had designed a nine hole course for Can Can Wonderland that was at the state fairgrounds for this like mini kickoff event. And then it made it to the big fair. So Hundreds of thousands of people get to play this new thing. And people at the Minnesota State Fair are kind of bonkers. Like <laughs> new food, the line for the Amish donuts was like, oh, yeah. Like I saw that was a new food thing. 50 people deep. Nope. Not dealing with this. I I got all of my food early, like 930 in the morning. <laughs> vegan corn dog stand empty. Eating it. Cheese curds. No line at 10 a.m. Eating it and people are looking at me like I'm crazy from my family. And it's just like this is this is how you actually get to consume food and not stand in line. So State Fair was super, super cool. And a Couple of Puts has some other cool places that we're going to be having mini golf the next two years, projects that we're working on and all over the place. I don't even think we had really ever talked about that if you're ever in Jeddah. In Saudi Arabia, there's a couple of mini golf holes at Groovy Golf there. So, you know, the next time you're in the Middle East and in Saudi Arabia, you can check out some designs there. We have some project inquiries from all sorts of places where we just get them. And, you know, people know that we do these kind of unique and distinct mini golf holes that they're all sort of boutique. Talk to a client, what do you want to do? Make it happen. And Might have one in Japan or or no, 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 no. It's in uh, China. So we'll see. It's uh, that's been fun. And then uh, I really enjoyed getting up north of the twin cities to Duluth, played in a local league event at a newly built Harris course about a little bit over a year ago called rogue Eagle. And they put a little bit of their own personality on it. And despite uh, choking for in the first place uh, playoff. I, I really enjoyed the course. I thought that and uh, Salty Seagull, which is a course in Door County, that's going to be an AMA tournament. I feel like the new K- Harris courses play a little bit different and better. A little bit flatter faces on the bricks. A little bit wider bricks. I, I don't. I mean, Gary Hester had talked about this when he had talked up. Salty Seagull a year ago when we were at the Red Putter. And then he kind of showed us how to play it, like a bunch of us that were at Red Putter that went over with him. And I can't argue with him. I look at some of the other Harris courses out there where they're great for competition, but I think most people would complain about the big space between the bricks for hitting those cracks and things can go awry. So it was nice to see a really well-made course that's north of the Twin Cities and they're really interested in doing tournaments. So it's fun to go up there and then played another kind of a wonky course up there and did as well as I could on it. But the thing I was I'm most excited about and I was telling you about is that uh, we have a local course that we play in our local leagues called Eagle Lake that I made a uh, 18 holes on video hole in ones on it and I didn't do it all in one take. Obviously, you can see I'm wearing different clothes in many of them, <laughs> um, but they have these weird kind of organic rounded walls that I wasn't sure how they would play. They play awesome. And I'm kind of excited to go out there in the off season and early next year to practice with mini golf balls. I think they have a little bit of a give. So it's not like bricks where you're really smashing up your balls and not getting good rebounds. Like it's long and consistent and plays well. So Find out in a local league event. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. And it's been less hot in Minnesota, which is nice. It's It's been a very, like, the notes that we have for our show, I call this Hot August Days. And if you didn't catch the reference in the intro, there is a Neil Diamond record called Hot August Nights that if you search online, you can find some funny pictures of all sorts of uh, parodies of the cover. Neil Diamond's in this very weirdly suggestive pose that people then put things in his hands and you can kind (laughs) of go from there. Uh, But that song, Porcupine Pie, the live recording of it is really terrible. I don't know if it's a beloved song. I like some Neil Diamond, but it's really bad. It's like a really rough listen in those lyrics. Like, you know, Tutti Frutti, it works great. You know, Little Richard worked well in lyrics, but including it in a line with blue cheese and vanilla soup, like, no,
1: stop. Lots and lots of cocaine. That's what it yeah. boils down
0: to. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, it's 70s, man. 70s. I was watching a airplane and there's a scene where this guy's like drinking. This woman looks at him weird, and then all of a sudden she's like, "Ugh," and then busts open a mirror and is doing cocaine. And it's like, wow, it really was like the '70s. So, uh, yeah, personal check-ins, uh, cocaine, blue cheese, <laughs> state I mean, fairs. This past Sweden. weekend, I
1: went, I went to the fir- for the first time, and who knows how long, to an actual roller skating rink <laughs> for my nephew's birthday party. Talk about like just rolling it back 35 years. It was unbelievable. And it it was exactly how you would want a roller skating rink to continue to look like. They'd never change.
0: No, and we lost one of them that was really great. I had a period of time, I guess it was almost 20 years ago, where I took roller skating lessons at an old school one because... I was going to him and learned how to roller skate backwards because I never learned how to hockey skate backwards and do the uh, the duck one where you like get down on one foot, you like kind of duck down and you kick oh, yeah. out the one foot. Never was really good at it. I, at that point, I wasn't very agile and flexible, so you can imagine. Twenty years later, in, <laughs> in your forties, I can imagine how bad it would be. But uh, yeah, that's uh. That's that's awesome. I, I need to get roller skating. I guess we should probably talk about mini golf. I don't yeah. know how many minutes we're in, but <laughs> I, I was I, the only reason I do this was I saw, not saw, was listening to back to some episodes of 54 Problems because they did, shout out to them, did a really amazing episode with Peter Parr, who is one of the people that founded the BMGA and is a really great listen, especially, I think, for us that have just recently formed a new national organization to see what those early days look like. And um, I was listening to them and they were like talking about what's going on in their lives. And it's like, we don't ever do that. So we'll I bring mean, that This is, is
1: what goes on in our lives most of the time. I mean,
0: because if we really want to like jump right into it, it's like, what was I doing at the beginning of August? I was in Door County, Wisconsin for the, Red Putter Pro Tournament. It was the 21st year, and it was the first year that Red Putter was part of our AMA season. And unsurprisingly, they had a great turnout. I think I had talked about how their tournament works, and it's a little bit different than most, but anytime after the tournament one year until the beginning of the tournament, the night before the tournament the next year, if you get a qualifying score under par, which is 42, you can get your name on a magnet and on their leaderboard, this ongoing like massive leaderboard and you qualify to be able to pay to play in a three round tournament on a Saturday in the first Saturday of August. And 66 people did that. And this year there were some very new names on the list from The AMA. Ooh, I even spelled RJ Duzak. Sorry about that. You are now DJ Duzak. (laughs) Uh, We had some newcomers like RJ Duzak, who's played in our local league and he's played in mixed tournament at the MC mini masters. We had um, Matt Rolstad who traveled. We had Mick Collin and his son, Max travel down there. And if you watch the podcast on Instagram, I did quite a bit of recapping and everything, so I don't need to get really too into it. I would just encourage you to check it out there. I showed a little bit of the course, but the big finish was Matt Kraus, Matthew Krause, becomes the repeat champion and the first person to win a red jacket at the Red Potter Pro Tournament, so it was pretty cool. Second place was Zachary Krause, who for the second year in a row comes in second place to his brother. And I interviewed him in the interview audio. Something was goofy with it. I felt bad for him, but I just kept saying, this is a competitive tournament, and the people he did better than, if you want to go down the list, you know, Alex Perry's, who won in a tiebreaker for third, beat Gary Hester. That's, Gary's no slouch. He's done well right behind him, Matt Rolstad, who's played well in a ton of AMA tournaments and tournaments in Minnesota. He was tied for fifth with John Powell, who's a great pro and played for Team USA. Tom Schweiss, who's won the most MC Mini Masters of all time. And then one shot behind them, we had Tim Talley, who was also on Team USA. So he had won a red jacket, and you have some people that are up there. I... Fell a couple more behind, but the field was really, really good. Um, Mick Cullen showed up. He played. um, The whole Kraus family does really well in this. And we had uh, Mark Schrader Strong who had won a red jacket in the past who tied his own course record of 31 at that course. And to give you context, Matt Kraus, who won it, shot three rounds of 35. So 31 is wild. Wow, And he... Even Wilder, so one of the guys in the local league, and I'm blanking on his name and I apologize, they have a local league at Red Putter that plays on Wednesday nights, and it's a few guys, and they get out there and they play and have a blast, and I've gone out and joined them, and I can't express how much fun it is to play that course late at night with a handful of people and have it all to yourself. It's, It's a blast, but he did all of the stats of all of the years of the 20 years of the Red Putter. The first hole had been aced prior to this year and Mark's top round seven times. Jeez. Seven times. This is a tournament last year that had about 70-some-odd people that have had up to, and I kid you not when they told me this, I thought it was crazy. They had 102 people one year. They can do up to 108 where, if my math is right, that's six people per hole and a shotgun start. Everybody going at the same time. It's 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 pretty wild. And you know, there's you get lots of people out there being loud and yelling at their ball to go in the hole and screaming when they get a hole in one on five after they had a terrible round on it, and they're just thrilled it goes in. Um like me.
1: Uh <laughs> I was and, say personal experience <laughs> and
0: personal experience on on both of those because they were me. But, you know, it's just a lot of energy and chaos, and some people might not like it. I think it's a lot of fun. You play three rounds in a row, you play with your group, you have some fun, chicken lunch, and that's the tournament. So, yeah, we had lots of great, you know, finishes. Again, Matt Rolstad and Tom Schweiss being in the top five the first time around, great. Tim Talley, John Powell, Gary Hester did well. I know Jeremy and Abinett wish he would have done better, but that course can eat you up. I mean, he was only one stroke behind Rocky Marciano, who's one of their local league guys who's finished in the top three. So it's a, it's a funky course, but lots of fun was had and Door County's is just beautiful. They keep adding new mini golf courses. I played one called Evergreen and I got out to the Pirates Cove and the Johnson Park course with Matt Rolstad. So knocking him off the list there, but if you go to the event page, you can kind of see the full list and you can see a walkthrough video of Red Potter. So that's it. Matt Krause has just dominated that tournament. I guess uh, his one of his brothers, I believe it's Nate Krause, has also won that tournament. So it's been run 21 years and Krauses have won it four. So not doing too shabby.
1: Yeah, and then the day after... You- He came out to the East Coast. We had the Tabor's main open tournament, which was held on August 6th there, and um, similar bit of, I guess, domination. So, our friend Kyle Corsi, who's come on the competitive scene the past couple of years here, he one by six strokes, which is actually a pretty big margin for three rounds of play up there. And they had uh, just shy of 30 people in total. A lot of local folks play that. Um, they have a league there that they play during the year, um, throughout the summer, spring, fall. So you have a lot of folks who are pretty familiar with that course, then plus a lot of individuals who come up from Connecticut, Massachusetts, etc. So, you know, Kyle winning and, and looking at his scores, he was the only person who had three rounds in the 30s, which is a difficult thing to do at that course. It's a Harris course with the metal cups, very unforgiving. Um, the one time I played up there, you really got to be on target. So the low 40s tends to be the scores you see the most, although um, I think over the years we've started to see some stuff creep down. But his final round of a 36. I don't know if that is a tournament record low, but it's pretty close to it um, and is pretty, pretty hard to do. and, And under the pressure of that final round, it's pretty good because he had, you know, somebody breathing down his neck in the name of Justin Seymour, who, while he's still coming off his surgery that he had last fall. Is a pretty good putter, <laughs> and put the pressure on Kyle Labrecque was right there. They both tied for for second. Um, Kyle's obviously a, a local main guy we've talked about before, but he's been traveling around more. And then Matt Lyles, who's finished well in the AMA last year, has always been doing good in tournaments. You know, was uh, fourth place tied with Richard Petrie, who also is a local up in Maine and has a lot of experience and I think has won that tournament before. I was going to say I thought he won it in the last two I think it was years. maybe last year. Um but yeah, yes. so That sounds right. Definitely, yeah. Definitely a big group of people who played well knew that tournament looked like they had some Some good challenging back and forth as they get into the final rounds here. But congrats to Kyle on really pulling away there and grabbing the top points and the bonus for that white tournament out of Maine. Yeah. And we even saw,
0: I know that you'd be more familiar with them because I've never played in a tournament with, but Justin Seymour's brother, Michael, Mm. came in uh, just behind uh, Justin Palatier and Richard Petrie and then uh, Justin's wife, Anna. Played well as well. She was only uh, 12 strokes out of the lead and uh, six strokes behind her husband. So love seeing uh, this in tournaments that I feel like is pattern. If you look at the red putter, there's four Kraus family members, two Cullen family members. I think there was a lot of, lot of family members out there. Uh, so it's nice to see that there. We also have a uh, highlighter who played in this tournament it was just one um, or two behind Anna Seymour and Nathan Fournier, who's a local up in Maine, who's a sports writer and just been active in their local league. So it's cool to see not only some familiar names uh, on there. We have Mandy also traveled up half the putting penguin traveled up there, but it's nice just to see these regular names. Like when we were, I, I updated the scores on the rankings at a, AMA they're all up to date as of the tournament finishing on Saturday, that we're seeing a lot of return people at tournaments, but more than anything else, family members, that you see three, four family members coming out and playing together and fits the game. I grew up playing with my family. You play with your family. I actually, here's a great story. If you want to beat Pat in mini-golf, go play with his kids they we played around in Myrtle Beach and Pat would hit the ball and his kids would just hit it out of the way i'm certain if we counted the score i smoked pat because his kids were just like they were just brutal they were just like throwing his ball around and hitting it after yeah. he hit it
1: everybody else could do fine they're a little bit better now we'll see our myrtle beach trip this year i'm sure we'll have a chance to play together and see how that goes uh, Malcolm's actually starting to to hone in his skills a little bit when he focuses he can, uh, he can do pretty well we'll see but I mean <laughs> we'll talk about the world championships in a little bit too but th- there's a lot there's a lot of family stuff there too yeah. mean, you see generational stuff but your point on the names I mean we're going to you know, later on we will we'll have conversation about the upcoming tournaments, but we're gonna see a lot of these names again, whether it's playing in Dolphin, it's gonna be playing in Matterhorn. A couple Kyle's been talking about potentially going down to the Masters this year. So yeah. um it is really good to see that we Oh no seen, he is. Oh, is he definitely now I haven't he's talked definitely, to him in a while. Oh well there we go. So Kyle Corsi will be my roommate
0: at the Masters this year. So I'm excited uh to meet him down at Matterhorn and then a uh, room with him down at the Masters for his first go of it.
1: Yeah, so not uh, not the last that we're going to hear from a, a large group of these people. It'll be interesting to see, you know, who who prevails out of this group in some of these upcoming tournaments. But yeah, the Putty Penguin, we've been managing. I don't think Mandy and I have actually played in the same tournament yes, yet this year, <laughs> but we've been managing to get to a lot of AMA tournaments, which is good that we can... Spread the love out. Yeah.
0: Now, we head out of the AMA for right now because I think I mentioned this is going to be a two-part episode, but we're hoping to have a guest who played some of these tournaments neither of us played in that are AMA recently to talk about them. But we're going to go all the way back a couple of days and fly overseas to the home of ABBA, Sweden. World championships, and is it Uppsala
1: or Uppsala?
0: Uppsala? See, some people are calling it Uppsala.
1: I've heard both, and then we heard like Uppsala, like they dropped the A when the mayor was talking. And then, so a couple of us were like, Oh my god, have we been saying this wrong the whole time? But I mean, it looks like it should be Uppsala.
0: And then, if you had and it's like the right inflection. It's like there was someone at one of uh, Hans Olofsson's bars. And her name was, you know, if you were saying in the States, you'd say Lena. But it was Mm. Lena. And you're just like, and I got it right. And I knew it because I was like, okay, I've been saying almost everything wrong. So you have to be like, really think hard and say it right. But it was like, wow. To try to say a sentence with that kind of Lena, do, 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 do. And you're just like. I can't even imagine what you they turn think into of-
1: the Swedish chef. Unfortunately, when you're right. American, which means we just wait until I butcher some names coming up here. Oh, better you than me. You- <laughs> but uh, we should we should appropriately set the stage for for everybody because I know our large U.S. audience is not going to be familiar as familiar with this, and actually most of the world hasn't been because we Mm-mm. haven't seen this in a couple of years. So the the mini golf world championships for the general class. So this is it's not the youth, it's not the seniors world championships. It's yeah, you know, the the largest the general class that is held every 2 years. Um it was not held in 2021 because of the pandemic restrictions on travel and everything. The last time it was held was in 2019 in China and it is major, major tournament that is very country-based. So the countries will send their teams and we'll talk about the different divisions and everything, but very Olympic style in terms of what the structure is um, that most countries will send and have four, five, six days worth of practice before the five days of actual competition across all of the divisions, so major, major event, um, a lot of organizing both for the participants and the people putting on the tournament. As we mentioned, this year is in Uppsala. Uh, We talked a little bit about the complex when Tom visited, but it's a complex that has an indoor adventure golf course, it has an outdoor adventure golf course, and then it also has a ethernet or miniature golf, all one word, smushed together course. And a swedish felt course and the the world championships i believe are always played on at least the ethernet and then one other of the other um, versions. so it's usually swedish felt or the concrete and so this year it was the felt and the ethernet uh, which set up some interesting dynamics because the ethernet it's very standardized um, the countries who play it they you know they use the mini golf balls they know how to play these holes because they are very standardized. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot like putt-putt in that manner in terms of if I know I put the ball here and I know I hit it here, I've got a very good chance for ace. It's actually set up that way and to the fact that there were four perfect 18s during the World Championships that were had and very many 19s and 20s and 21s. Um, so the that it was felt that all of the countries that were competing had a pretty good chance on that. And then the Swedish felt, you know, we've talked a little bit about, and it's, um, you know, the best way to describe it is very long, very precise holes that you have to hit. And we're talking, I don't know, Tom, what's probably the the length of the standard ones between the gates? 30 feet, 40 feet? Yeah, I mean, I think
0: it speaks more to like how short, the Ethernet miniature golf holes are. They're probably never longer than 20 feet at their worst. Maybe the big bridge is 20 feet. The rest of them are closer to like 10 to 15 feet. And yeah, the felt's longer. It has like a classic retro wooden golf Mm -hmm. course look to it because the surface, based on the name, is felt so if you've played at Parking in Lincolnshire if you played the putt putt courses if you played Hastings it's that similar type of carpet that's not that heavy piled turf and there's some obstacles you can go take a look at uh, if you go to a couple putts.com I reviewed both the Ethernet and the felt courses in advance of it and even had some videos with me making aces even with some inappropriate equipment in some cases, but yeah, they're, they look easier than they are. And the way that people do really well on them, as Pat mentioned, is they're using those miniature golf balls. And I know people in the States are like, it's those weird European things, but literally competitive mini golf everywhere. That's what they use. We're like the weird, outlier that other than pat's tournament at Matterhorn, <laughs> that no one in the u.s uses them versus other than like city golf and the uh crazy golf world championships most of the tournaments allow for some version of mini golf balls in it those are the only ones in europe or in uk i think where they're only golf ball only and like a you know, you have to use a specific ball. So it's a whole different game and 40, 50 foot long holes. Yeah, I think yeah. it's probably about right.
1: And that's why the practice, I mean, is so important there because you've got to make sure you've got the right ball for the right conditions yep. to play in and just understanding and inputting it's really putting in your reps. And if you see some of the videos or you can, we've got a lot of good ACE shots over on the WMF Instagram page as well. You can see just the style, especially in those Swedish felt. I mean, you, you, you wail this golf ball 40 feet down through a little opening, you know, that's a few inches wide and you'll watch this ball hit the back end and just die and roll over to the cup if you're lucky. And they make it look so easy, but when it goes wrong, it can go drastically wrong. Um, and, you have know, swing from a one to a five or six pretty easily. And bringing this all back to the prevailing thought was, well, the Swedish felt it's in Sweden. The Swedes know this. That's where the tournament's going to be made or break at the end of the day. And, you know, I think we ended up seeing that in a lot of the divisions. Although interestingly, Mm -hmm. as we'll get to Germany was the one that came away with the most medals overall. So it wasn't the home team that dominated as much as we've seen in maybe past world Adventure golf masters where we've seen, you know, the the home team do very well there just because of the, the reps they're able to put on the course. But you know, for other contexts, it's, I think there was a little over 120 participants they represent 17 different countries, so a pretty wide. We even had Mike Johnson, our one lone U.S. representative, played in there. So we got a little bit in there, um, and it's played the tournament structured in the first two days are the team division, and it, that's really as much as people like to win the individuals. I mean, this is a team sport at this level, and you know, country. Think again, the Olympics. This is where they want to win. Six rounds determine the team. There's additional two rounds for individual that then leads to a cut for final two rounds. So you have men and women's stroke play. Then you have a mixed pairs. And then you have men and women's match play, which was the seedings are based on some of the, the individual scores early on. So there's I think it's 21 total medals that can be given out throughout the the competition. So
0: and for team, just for context for mm-hmm. folks. It's the first six rounds of the event that everybody's playing. So all of the competitors, the 120 or so, was it? Yep. That everybody plays three rounds the first day, three rounds the second day, two rounds the third day. And then then the top individual players make the last two rounds. Those last two rounds determine the individual, but the first six rounds... The overall result of the players who are of those team members for those countries. They take their their scores and add them together. And what's interesting is that they even, with the teams, they have like alternates. So they might yeah, so it's, people it's, out. So
1: the men's are team of six plus an alternate, and the women's yep. are a team of. Four plus an earth no, it's three plus an alternate for the women. So uh. the alternates play, and then at some point you can bring them in, and their scores start counting. So they still have to play because they're still eligible for all of the other divisional right. stuff as you go go on. So there's a little bit of math and stuff that has to be done when you actually look at the the results and where people came in and out and how their scores. So I'm actually looking at Austria, which actually used one of their substitutes. You'll see like in round four, the main person only played five of the holes and then, you know, they substituted in their person who then played the 13, but they had all played everything before that. So it really is, um, you know, focused around And so, so much of the structure, if you watch the practice, I mean, the teams are practicing, they're all honing in on what are they going to use? Who's the, you know, got the, the strong ball here. What fits everybody. There's coaches out there who just, have all of the information how to play these putts. And some of them you would look at and you wouldn't think there's much break to some of the second putts because it's not like adventure golf where you're reading, you know, six, eight-foot putts that have mm-hmm. a lot of undulations. But, like, like on Ethernet, not as much because it is pretty level. But, like, those felts are, are classic. yeah. they're built on the ground there. And there's some pitch in, in some different areas. So yeah. you'll see the books come out. It, it's just – now, you know, I had played in Wagam, so I was familiar kind of with some of that and how that, but then getting to watch this in person was amazing, and it just makes me, you know, want to figure out how how do we bring America into this because the, yeah. the vibe of doing that was just amazing. And then they had a live stream. Yes, you had to pay for it. It was worth every cent of the yeah. 19 euros you paid for because you got five days multiple cameras each day and you could see some amazing play and I actually think you could still buy it because the replays are out there if you wanted to go look at it but all in all um, getting to the the actual results part of it and so in the the teams it actually was interesting because they're There ended up not being a real contest in either of the categories when it came to total strokes, um, as opposed to some of the individual stuff. So the Swedish men ended up running away with the gold medal, Germany was silver, Switzerland got their one and only bronze medal of the the tournament there in the women's category. was kind of reversed where Germany took the gold, Sweden took the silver and, and Austria took the bronze, but then it got real crazy when we got into the individual stuff, um, yeah. on the, the women's side was a little bit less, um, drama maybe, but it was pretty close all the way through. So Germany took first and second and it was Stephanie Blenderman who was in first and Melanie Hammerschmidt, who
0: Melanie Hammerschmidt.
1: Uh, yeah. see, so yeah, I'll just, I'll pronounce it the American <laughs> way, but she's, I mean, if you go back and look at a lot of yeah. competitions over the years, her name spikes out in a lot of different places. Yes. And then Karen Olson who is basically about as famous a mini golfer as you can get in Sweden <laughs> with her success over the years, ended up taking third place in the, in the, in the individual stroke play part. Um, on the men's side, that was really back and forth after the six rounds. I mean, people kept trying to get up there, fall apart. You would see, it, and it really came down to the felt. The felt was where people... We're making breaking on different holes. But in the final round, Ulf Christiansen from Sweden made an amazing comeback because he shot a 22 on the felt, which is a course record for that. So final round in front of your home crowd, you shoot a 22 to win the individual gold and you end up winning by three strokes because of that. I mean... It's hard to write a better story than that. And he
0: was up by one going into the last hole playing first and he aces it. it. And there's so many great photos of his response. It's through the, what is it, the optical illusion? They call it the yes. multiple, you have to gates. Hit, multiple gates that you have to hit it perfectly in between. And the way that the Swedes play it is they just crush the ball through the gates, play a rebound off the back wall so fast that the ball is literally like flying over the cup that if you probably underhit it a little, which we saw I think Yannick Mueller do from Germany on one of the holes, which is the only time I saw it, is that he caught part of the cup when he was hitting this really aggressive shot that it shot it out of bounds. Uh, and for those of you in the U.S., that, that's not That's not a thing. They don't give a stroke penalty. But yeah, he just crushed it in off that back door. And it was wild just watching that happen in real time in streaming. I enjoyed watching all the WPL events and watching them live. But being able to see the stakes after that many rounds coming down to a few putts and someone setting a course record and just as along the way people are like, this is a crazy round. Nobody shoots this well and felt. To you know, in comparison, his his teammate, uh, what was it? Eric. Uh that sounds like the guy's name from Thor the Doctor. Uh um,
1: no, it's not quite Selvig, but
0: it's it's kind of like Selvig.
1: Birch's butcher's name if I try.
0: <laughs> uh he was up going into the final round and he shot a thirty-two and unfortunately fell out of metal play. Not to bring it up because I could see him like really hanging his head because you know Janik Mueller from Germany and uh his you know countrymate Wolf they they were just crushing it on every hole it was just a battle between them going back and forth one would give up a little bit of space and the other would just come charging back and on these holes that i i've never watched Uh, Ethernet and Felt played. And the thing that's interesting about them, if you look at them and you went up and played them normally, you'd probably play them very differently when they're meant to play. When I was at the course, back at the Uppsala course, back in April, uh, Carl Johan Reiner. I'm going to go with, because that's what Posse was pronouncing it. I was told him that I watched like Frank Bessessi's video And he said, well, there was a bunch of stuff on that video that Frank wasn't playing right, and most Americans wouldn't know it. There's certain ways that you play the holes in a competitive way that if you don't advance the ball the correct way to past a certain point, you are returning it to the tee and hitting it over and over. And it's really obvious on the holes where you're like hitting it up a hill, but it's not so obvious when you're hitting it through a little house or past these obstacles, or even on the uh, Ethernet one, the the one where you're hitting it up a slope and into the pipe, I've seen that hole and I'm like, boy, why does anybody go for that pipe? The reason why is in competitive play, it's not an option to go around it. So you, you take that into consideration, and you start to be like, boy, if I didn't know how to play with mini golf balls and play them well, A seven is totally possible. And when you see those really, really low scores, it makes it even more ridiculous, especially with how easily people do it on the internet. But that's one of those things with these standard courses. Like in my review, I did a little bit of my homework reading on the WMF webpage about (laughs) how many of these different holes are available Unlike putt-putt, where, you know, Greg Newport, someone had asked him about how many holes their different designs are. There's about 180, he said. In all of the competitive Ethernet courses, there's about 30, probably a little less, standard. And with Felt, there's only about 40 that can be considered a standard competitive course that can be part of a major world championships like this. So it's pretty wild... To see the scores get this low, but then you realize, oh, like you can travel this way, which is what makes a world championship possible. If you take right. people, you know, playing on adventure golf with golf balls from the US to city golf courses, they can do pretty well. But the people who play who are club members and play those courses on a regular basis, they're gonna they're gonna have a massive, massive advantage on that style, of course, just because there's so many idiosyncrasies. This is supposed to take most of that out, that if you know your ball selection, your T-spot, it's really about figuring out a little bit of that differential and break and get those scores low. Because I had asked Pat, like, what is par on the internet? And I'd ask somebody in the chat during one of the events, and it's 18. And it's it's one of those things where I think like people in the states talk about golf and sometimes mini golf with like birdies and Eagles it's like overseas it's just strokes like they don't no one's like oh they played four over par when they got a 22 on in the internet no one's talking about that it's like you got a 22 yeah and there's an expectation you can get an 18 22 solid
1: 20 it's better i mean put it this way so the if you look at the scoring that in the the scores there's like a a blue green red yep. black to visually show what the scores are blue is the best so your 18s 19s on internet your your greens kind of middle and then your red is i think starts at 25 and up so mm-hmm. like yeah that that's only missing seven aces at that point so you know birdies and all that stuff's out and it, it pops out because we're talking about Carl Johan who shot a 26 in round five on Ethernet, was close to missing the cut and ends up third place in the individual men's competition because he finished with a 22 and a 20 in his last two Ethernet rounds and a 27 and a 23 <laughs> <laughs> on his last two felt rounds. So um, it's that, you know, like that type of swing in that precision is just crazy. And speaking of Carl Johan, he continued to win things because he ended up winning the mixed pairs with Karen Olson and they dominated. I mean, there was only a four round tournament and then in the final hole, they literally could not lose. They had, because there's a seven stroke limit. So they literally could have stroked out and still won the tournament. That's how much they were up. And it all came again on that final round on felt. They were just on fire. now, I mean, this is, but basically the equivalent of putting Joey and Olivia out on a you know mm-hmm. an adventure golf course and the way they win the team's competitions. I mean, that's what Karen and Karl Johan are are doing here. So they won the gold in the mixed pairs. Uh Yasmin Boffman and Yannick, who we talked about, they came in second from Germany in the mixed pairs, and then Austria picked up another bronze. And I'm gonna absolutely slaughter this name. <laughs> Is Lara Yella, yeah, and Mario Dangle, which he sounds, sounds like a life. hockey player. So feel pretty good about that one. But they they picked up third place um, for Austria. For Austria, yes, Austria ended up with three bronzes altogether, so uh, the most medals outside of Germany and Sweden. And then in the match play, oof, that's where Germany just absolutely freaking cleaned up. They yeah. completely swept the women's division. Melody and Stephanie swapped places, going 1-2 there, and Yasmin won third place, so they picked up multiple medals. And Lucas Newman won over Carl Johan, and that was a nail biter because he was up, and Carl Johan made some pretty pressure on that felt course. And yeah. some of those, I think at one point, they were t- he came back from down two holes maybe? Yep. To go 2-2. He
0: was down, I think he was down two holes coming into Felt. And you had to think him being the club manager at Uppsala and having played so well to come back, charging into third place overall, and having won mixed pairs on that as well, that I think, yeah, I think it's Lucas Neumann uh, from Germany, who had a perfect game round on Ethernet. Uh, earlier that week, he really just just kept it going, and it was fun to see match play where they were doing nine holes on Ethernet and then nine holes on felt, and it was based on how they'd finished in stroke play for the brackets. They were like sixteen person brackets, I think, by and large in both and. It was Thirty-two funny.
1: for the men and sixteen for the women.
0: That's right, and it was funny because it really did work its way out when we were looking at the brackets. That I think a lot of the women's Swedish players had to play each other in the first round just based on seedings, and all four of the German women were separated out in different brackets. So it wasn't wildly surprising that they all ended up uh, first through fourth, but or first through third. But I felt bad for Ana Bandera, who from Italy is one of the better, you know, uh, women mini golfers out there. And she had a couple of bad breaks in the uh, playoff with, I believe it was with uh, Stephanie Blenderman that in the semifinals, they were playing the wave hole and Stephanie got a bad break and the ball missed and on the wave hole on the internet people were making that pretty consistently and Anna stepped up and hit it and it just bounced out and you're like "Ugh!" and she ended up losing in that playoff and then lost to Jasmine Botham in the Jasmine Botham in the third place and it was just like boy one whole difference that's just got to be like stuck in her craw where she could have been in that championship playing for gold but that's That's mini-golf in a nutshell, especially in a match play where it's a single round that it's really exciting to watch, and the mixed pairs was that same way. So, yeah, I can't say enough. There were people complaining a lot about little things in the feed that weren't working out right. I think we had an advantage from the States, weirdly, where watching early in the morning was the top tier of the players' and the most stakes of players. And I'd go back and even watch some of the early morning stuff. Uh, if you really wanted to dial in early on the replay, if you want to <laughs> buy it, you can watch them. It, I feel like they should just make like a channel of this. It's like a zen channel. Just people cleaning off the course. You can see <laughs> how many people are working on this event. It's just really impressive to have that many people actively engaged in helping run a tournament like this. It's a huge crew It's massive. And we don't see that the, the WPL is doing a great job in showing these, you know, one and two round events. We're talking about 10 rounds plus match play plus mixed pairs. Over five Five days days. on two channels, seven hours of broadcasting on each. There is a ridiculous amount of competitive mini golf from Europe that you can go and watch. And there's some of that stuff online, but I don't know. There, There was lots of stuff that I knew nothing about. I got pretty engaged right away in the play and was just... It was thrilling and I think it, I'm sure it helped for you, Pat, but just having been to that facility and seeing how cool it is, it's the oldest club in all of Sweden. It's got all of the history in the club itself where you've got old jerseys, all of the balls that they've made for the club. It's it's just one of the most charming places in the world and probably the best one of the best mini golf facilities in the world, period. I would put it, I, you know, there's very few in general, but for what it is, it's for competitive mini golf, it's just one of a kind. It's a must play if you're going to Sweden. It's got everything, literally.
1: Yeah. Four different kinds we l- of courses. Literally have nothing like that in the United States. No, either. nothing even close. No, but. Um, yeah, so wrapping and I guess this up on the competitive side, we mentioned Germany walked away with 10 medals, four gold, five silver, bronze, Sweden had seven, three golds, two silver, two bronzes, Austria had the three bronze, and Switzerland was the only other country that snuck in with the team bronze. So it kind of went the way a lot of people were expecting with Germany and Sweden, um, being on the top there. And, you know, a lot of the names... Yeah, you know, we'll probably see some of them again two years from now. But, it, you know, it uh, it actually goes to Germany in 2025. So a little bit of a reverse there. We'll see if they can continue their dominance in a couple of years.
0: Kudos to Poland, India, Latvia, South Korea, Japan, Mike Johnson from the United <laughs> States, Netherlands, Czech Republic, Denmark, all of I'm probably missing somebody in that mix, but yeah, can, you know, kudos to all the people for showing up. It just looked like fantastic event and for surfaces that I don't play on and balls that I don't play with, you know, you would think there would be nothing to get too excited about, but I was thrilled and I was like, boy, someday I would really love to give it a shot with the right balls on those courses. So who knows? Added to the bucket list.
1: <laughs> uh, and I think the one last note before we turn our attention back to the U.S. here. So around the World Championships, too, there's also mm. the delegates conference at the WMFs, And so this is a little bit for you know people who aren't familiar. We, we talk about the WMF every now and then, but most of the time we don't run into it too much here in the United States in terms of, you know, there's really this umbrella organization that's working the sport throughout the world. And and so there's, you know, various different governance things. The delegates conference part of this, it goes, it happens with every two years with the world championships. And it's really the point in time where the individual federations from all the different countries can come in and we vote on things like the executive board or different rulings. There's conversations about what we should be doing in the next two years up to the next delegates conference, who's coming in and out. So, a lot of good governance type things that happen at that world level also happen around this and so it's not just the competition that happens but there's the administrative aspects there was a celebrity pro am the day before there's opening ceremonies closing ceremonies all that sort of stuff so um, it was nice to to, and that's really the reason I was over there I did some media stuff pre-tournament but was there for the delegates conference and some executive committee stuff and there's just Really cool to be a part of that and, you know, again, hopefully bring some of that. We'll definitely bring some of that into our AMA stuff and some of the other tournaments here in the U.S. as we we go forward.
0: Feels sort of fitting that the next tournament that we're going to kind of talk about quickly is kind of the U.S. equivalent of like the Ethernet and Swedish felt and the concrete courses, which is putt-putt that has fairly standard course designs. Now, obviously those who play it regularly know the course is very, quite a bit in how they play and the condition of them and all that. But this year, uh, and earlier in August, we had the PPA national championship between August 7th and 11th in Erlinger or Erlinger, Kentucky. And the unique thing that I found out about this course that I believe I mentioned in talking about my swing south that Greg Newport made me aware of was that the course uh, here at Erlanger is one of few wooden rail putt-putt courses left that's an official putt-putt. I played one in Ashboro near High Point, but this is like the only one on the official PPA circuit. So I think for a lot of people, it was exciting to be able to play on that, that traditional type of course. And kudos to some of the putt putters out there. We got to see it. I forget which channel it was on social media, but we got to see a little bit of the end of some of the competitive play. And that's very rare for putt-putt. So Kudos to them for showing it, and we uh, have the results for you. We have PPA National Championship. Rainey Statham wins the TPC and Seniors in the Pro's division. Bob Luganbull wins the TPC, and Mike Mitchell wins the Seniors in the APA. That's the amateur division of the PPA, the Pro Putters Association. Kevin Lacey and Tom Butler win the Team's division in the Pro. David Philippi and Tony Centers. Win the teams in the APA, Greg Newport wins the hall of fame in pro Clayton Kraft wins the hall of fame in the APA. And then the individual stroke play championship. We have Kevin Lacey who won in the pro division in a playoff over cliff Matthews got to catch a little bit of the end, the final round. I don't know that I got to watch the actual play in the playoff, but what I did get to see was Frank Bassesi, who was a guest on the show a couple of years ago, had a really strong finish in third and had one really kind of bad hole uh, out in like the last five holes where he ended up taking a three just in a bad position that uh, cost it a little bit for him. But he was in the hunt, and that is a impressive feat. And then, uh, yeah, we had Jonathan Arnold wins the APA by 13 shots, And looking at the calendar for Putt-Putt, because I know people have asked about this, Joey Graybill, our former guest and all that, trying to keep people abreast of what's going on. And it seems like this past weekend, the 26th and 27th, we had a number of the tour weekends is what they were calling them. I think these are the wraps wrap-ups of the season. Again, we're getting to the end of a lot of the seasonal mini-golf events as Either weather or just kind of have an endpoint for the year is coming up, so that's all there. You can go to p p a website and get all that information but uh, yeah, Pat, you gotta check out a little bit of that, didn't you as well?
1: the just a bit of the playoff I managed to watch, but I was trying to trying to prep for a bunch of other stuff, so I wasn't totally keeping up on sure. all of that. There was a lot going on in the middle of August,
0: yeah. Speaking of a lot going on, <laughs> we wanted to include this one last one in, in this part of the uh, episode. Again, we're going to have another one. Putting World on August 5th and 6th had their third event of the year, I believe. Yes? Yes. They had events in June and July. Um, I initially said it was their third event. This is their fifth event <laughs> of the year for Putting World in, I believe it's in Scottsdale, Arizona on August 5th and 6th. They're giving away $30,000 at every event. They're paying out the top 25. The August event, they had 84 competitors paying $300 each that were either pros or amateurs. And in order to compete, they have to have a tour card for putting world. And that's $200 a year. And Jacob Stas, who's done well on the pop stroke events, took home the $10,000 Ten thousand dollars for first place. Um they have more tournaments like this in September, October, and November. I'll be curious if during that October event or even the November event, if it lines up with people that are
1: going to Arizona for the big
0: pop stroke tour championship. So
1: I have a feeling the Swedes, t- they're they're gonna be showing up at that one.
0: Not surprised that the Swedes are gonna come out for a tournament where there's 30k at play it'll be really interesting pat and i were talking about this before we went on the air that it has kind of the same dynamic as pop stroke that the buy-in's really high and it does be out the top 25 but i wonder how sustainable it can be more for the organization with putting world because i was like oh yeah 84 competitors at 300 each and it's like wait you need a hundred competitors to break even. So is this just something where they're it's like a loss leader or they have other revenue models? I think we had a guest on that had talked about them having some sponsorship that might be underwriting it. I mean, 84 people at an event, especially with that large of an entry fee is nothing to scoff at. So maybe they have something they've figured out, uh, with very little competitive mini golf on the West coast. Maybe putting world's going to be it. I just, it's hard to know.
1: Yep. I'll say.
0: I think, I think that's going to be it for our part one. Other than, uh, let's give a shout out to walkabout, uh, walkabout mini golf. What more do we need to tell you about it? You can play mini golf in all sorts of wild and wonderful spaces from your own home with a VR headset and this wonderful game. They have a laser layers course that opened not too long ago. That's super fun. And they're constantly launching new creative courses that can help test your putting skills as well as just be a fun way to interact with people around the globe i mean if i didn't have walkabout i don't think i would have been able to have connected with these four or five people that i met in person at the crazy so how could you not want to just make new connections in the mini golf world it's very hard with this all separated everywhere and a handful of us people that are big nerds about this game. So uh Walkabout's a great way to do it. Like I said earlier, they have underridden our membership for the AMA for 2023, and we're just so grateful that they are around. And if you need another excuse, the new putter in the laser layers is connected to the fun card game exploding kittens It's themed pretty well so if you're a cat person one more reason to play walkabout i'm looking forward to my uh putt to grip putter attachment thing that they uh did with some company called hello real and I'm excited to test that out whenever that shows up in the mail it's gonna
1: get me through another long winter all right well with that, we're at the 19th hole for part one. So until part two, but one ready. Sweet. All right.